This episode is sponsored by Tenji. Tenji is the chat app that always shares 50% of its revenue with users in the UK through a weekly free prize draw. And the more you chat and the more of your friends that join Tenji, the more chances you have to win. Tenji, the chat app that gives back. Download now for iPhone and Android by searching T-E-N-G-I. Hello, and welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and everything around it. Hosted by Ben Smith, Ewan McLeod and Rafe Blanford. This is Season 12, Episode 4 and this week we're talking about audio interfaces. We share some of our early experiences and demo our favorites, and talk about where and when we want to use audio instead of a screen. Do you fancy going to the cinema? I think it's a great idea. What do you want to see? Well, I don't know. What's on? No, uh, Dungeon has fallen. Good idea. All right, let's go. Uh, oh, God, I've got no connection. Don't, look, I'll do it old school. I'll phone right. up. Excellent. Hold on a minute. Okay, there you go. Welcome to the Odeon Cinema Line. Please say the name of the film you'd like to see. London has fallen. Did you say Finding Nemo? Say yes now. No. Confirmed. Where would you like to see Finding no. Nemo? I go back. Stop. Three tickets. Would you like premium seating? Uh, return back. It's hash. Confirmed. Hash. Three premium oh, seating no. tickets for Finding Nemo. Which location would you like to view the film? Uh, 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 okay, Thorock or Lakeside. Did you say in a lake? No. Confirmed. Three <laughs> underwater tickets for Finding Nemo. <laughs> OMG. Oh, top, top jokes. There oh, we go. Right. I think I, podcast. Exactly. I, no, but there was a point to that, was wasn't there? there? Yes, there was a point. <laughs> he started off very silly and went downhill. Right, we're talking about audio. Right. And uh, th- this week, uh, I think it's important that we explore the history of audio interfaces and look at the current Reality yeah. and the future. I think this week it's important we move on as quickly as possible. From the but, but we do think this is important because actually the big new trend for this year is UI-less interfaces, and the most important of those is audio. Yes, and the most well, the most common one that people are talking about at the moment is Amazon's Alexa. Isn't That's it? right. Yes, and remind me, Rafe Blanford, is Alexa the speaker thing or is it the voice service? The Amazon Echo is the speaker, and there are now several versions of that. That's the unit you buy, and actually just a couple of days ago they announced the. Echo Echo Dot is a way of having several of these around your home. Not and available in the UK, there's not, nothing which yet. Which is really, uh, I'm, I'm very Irksome. tempted to import one. But the point about this is a smart speaker it has a microphone built into it. You can speak to it and ask it natural queries and it will respond. So it'll play music, give you news headlines. You can even order things directly on Amazon. So you can say, order me or get me some cinema tickets. And if the, uh, if the voice recognition works, and it's, I'm told it's very reliable and is very good, you can do that. The system is based on Alexa, which is kind of the software platform, which is actually also being built into a whole number of other speakers. So there's a startup called Tribi, which is producing a speaker that you kind of stick on your fridge and can also do a voice over IP calls. It's got a little e-ink screen so you can leave messages and it's called app interface, but it's going to use the Alexa as a platform. So it's a good example as Amazon as a service provider, but that's the big thing. I mean, that's the future we maybe come back to in the last part of the podcast. Mm. Well, let's, let's start. Well, how are you, by the way? 
Oh, are we going to do that? Well, yeah, yeah, we should, I'm, yeah. I'm good. I think we'd forgot all that for the silliness and just the least said soon spend it. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm well. And Blanford, are you okay? I, I could do with a massage, actually. Really? Well, that's more, more, more on that later. And uh, Can that, I just make a point? There's quite a lot of people have been communicating with me about that £150 thing. Oh, uh, the, so just for anyone who's who's a bit out of sequence, because I know people batch these up and listen to them at special moments in mm. their lives, you know, like so when, when they've lost all hope or they have nothing else. Yeah, or they're on yeah, a plane. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Can't get to sleep. I was talking about Real Racing 3, the mobile app game, and how I'd spent um, about, I think it was 80 quid. Oh, Rafe, this is the new Ewan justifies a really bad decision section of the podcast. Oh, I know, my favourite. Yeah. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I just so I, could I, have donated I, that to the massage fund. I said, no, that wouldn't have been valid. You wouldn't have done it if I'd done it. If, if I, I will do that right now, if you if you say you'll do it next... Anyway, anyway, get, okay. get, get back right. to being defensive. I enjoyed that more. <laughs> right. I'm uh, not being defensive. I'm about to... <laughs> not being defensive. <laughs> tell just, all those people I'll listening that it. you're off your rocker, right? Okay. Um, all of these people are like, what are you doing spending 150 pounds? I'm like, that, that is, no, it's not normal. It was research, okay. listeners. It was research, but because I'm, look at the value we're getting from it, okay? Just look at it. I actually, haven't, I haven't actually done it again. Actually critically inspected. Uh, but I want to point Don't out Are you that, getting value from it? None. No, I didn't think so. All, all I just all wanted I to point out that, that it isn't a... has as much, much of a nut job as I thought he was. Uh, that's true. That I don't think there's much... <sighs> What is wrong with that? I think is probably my... Can you see Australia at the bottom of your hole? <laughs> All right, let's move on. I basically, yeah. I think anyone that's, that's questioning me, I, I just think it's... Um... They're just wrong and they're apologists. Mm. Right, there you go. Thank you. Excellent. Well, maybe next time... No, we... it, was, it was for research purposes, right? Okay, excellent. Good. That's <laughs> no, noted. Thank you. I haven't spent any more. Next time we'll plan this section. Just to be clear. Oh, okay. Grand. So, Rafe Blanford, we're talking about audio interfaces, both voice speaking and voice output from computer systems and we were reminiscing about the good old days so what's the first one that you remember the first one i remember is actually the sony ericsson p800 which had a so-called magic word i think that marks rafe blanford out as very very alarmingly young if it, the first thing he remembers is the p800 is that the only thing yeah because I, I owned that device and i'm pretty sure i had a job and like was in work at that point Did you, you, were, you were wearing a suit one was certainly wearing a suit, which means it was in the last 20 years. So, yeah. Okay, so uh, let, let's not dwell on that. Were you in your teens when you had this on it? This was when I was at university. And Rafe Lamp was only 12, so... And he went to um, Oxford, right? Yeah. <sighs> Do it to annoy me. Yeah. <laughs> the other one, he went to Uxbridge. <laughs> I went to the good one, Cambridge, honestly. <laughs> I just fall into that one. And it had a magic word that if you spoke... It would wake up and you could then give it voice commands. And I thought this was, was What was genius. the magic word? You could set it to be whatever you liked. And oh, actually, right. you know, this technology... So was it constantly listening then? It was constantly listening. Wow. And, All the know, way back then? I'd, I didn't know that. You know, it's sort of the old story that things just come around again. And actually, we've now had this be a big thing. Now, it had an impact on battery life. It's less so now because it's built into the uh, SOCs. So it's less of a problem in that SOC. sense. Uh, system on a chip. The chip sets the hardware inside your phone in the same way that they can count your steps all the time. Mm. And they just have a lower power mode in which that can happen. But I had used various sort of dictation things before that, but they'd never worked properly. That was the first one I can remember thinking... This is really great because I could say the word, and I, I think I called it Pamela because that was the code what? name of the UIQ, the PA hundred. Okay, right. Pamela. 
And that was actually, it was yes, a, anyway, it, we won't get into the detail. It was the code name of another device I couldn't get my hands on. But anyway, and I felt like an idiot doing it. So it soon changed to P800 or something like that. But then you could get it to do a text message. The dictation wasn't particularly brilliant, but it was just good enough. And having had uh, various dictation programs on the PC that you had to sit there and train and actually were more trouble than they were worth. And I mean, did you use any of those? I mean, it was... Oh, I always wanted to be a big user <laughs> of Dragon Dictate. Yeah, naturally that speaking. One? Yes, that's right. And now and again, I would go through... I thought you'd see it on the shelf at PC World. Yeah, for about £50, yeah. pounds and you'd read it a Shakespeare play. Yeah, and you'd, yeah. <laughs> Oh, jeez. I, I, I so wanted it to work. I never actually used Dragon Dictate. So, Rafe, did you actually have to train it then? Was that You the, did. It, it sort of... And the more you trained it, the better it got, in theory. I, I never really noticed the difference. And more than that, there was some quite esoteric language in that you had to say things like hyphen and full stop to get it working properly. It wasn't intelligent enough to work out context. And for things like proper names and that sort of thing, you quite often had to spell it out letter by letter. And so there was that that recognition process was probably once you did the training 95%, mm. but that 5% was quite painful going back. And that training period could be anything up to three or four hours. You know, they did a medical version. Um, I didn't know that. The, yeah. And my father in law is a, um, a doctor, an orthopedic surgeon. And um, I, I only saw the real value because I, I kept on wondering why, why this stuff was actually selling. Because I bought it once and went, oh, it just doesn't, yeah. yeah. He uses it and still uses it today, I think, actually, because he's trained it in all the medical terms and it is exceptionally good. And his secretary doesn't type anything. He just speaks into it, into the uh, his Sony machine. Uh, is this like narrating, you know, I am cutting his leg off now, full I know, stop, it's... hyphen, new line? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, um, it's afterwards, after oh, okay. you've done all the cutting, you then have to do your report. Two legs came off, two legs went back on. Something like that. Something like Home that. Home yeah. medals. Indeed. Okay. But, but that's the point. I mean, there was a lot of training to get that kind of specialist usage. Um, but this idea of dictation has been around for a long time. And actually, some versions of the product would allow you to say start and open application. You could yes, uh, navigate that, yeah. the whole interface. And, you know, that's not a new technology for accessibility reasons. There's been a lot of people who want to use voice control of the PC. And, you know, that's been around for a long time. But the reason we want to talk about on this episode is that I think we've seen mobile make it more mainstream and certainly a lot of the most positive experience I've had have been in that environment rather than the kind of the traditional desktop. But, you know, it is the Star Trek computer thing. It's been really attractive for a long time, this idea that you could just use your voice to control computing power. Um, we joke about the cinema thing. When I say joke, you know... Well, no, that's to... happened to me all the time. But... Actually, it's very stark that actually it was terrible and it didn't mm. work well. And you did always have to fall back to you know, pressing numbers. And even even quite recently, when I call an IVR system, like, you know, kind of perhaps I have to enter a conference call number or something. It will yes. say, you know, read the number out. I don't know. I'm never, typing, never I'm I always type it. In. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. But actually, through that same phone, I wouldn't really think twice about when I'm cooking or I've got my hands dirty, perhaps cleaning the child up after a particularly explosive yogurt or something. You know, I wouldn't, you know, hey, Siri, you know, what time yes. is the football on? Or actually, I don't watch football. Who am I kidding? You know, what time is the rugby on? Or, you know, um, how long until my Very wife... Very of you. How long until my wife comes home? You know? <laughs> and, and actually, that works really well. And I use it loads and loads. It would be really good if it could actually do that. How long until my wife comes home? Yeah, and just in terms of that, the calculation is required. Yeah, it, and it is, but Rafe's right, it's all about, it is about the context. And the more I the think about it, actually, the cinema piece lacked context, and that's why it was so mm. hard to do. Well, let's talk about turning points then. I'd like to know when you thought this stuff actually had legs and was really actually quite viable to you. I think the one I'd probably pick out was um, 
It's use in a car with your phone going off and saying you've got a new text message, reading it out to you and then asking if you'd like to reply. And the reason that's, I think, was a turning point, it was quite a contained requirement and a contained procedure. So it was able to be pretty accurate. And to the, the point about the cinema and IVR, it kind of knew what the canned responses were going to be. Yes it, or no. And, you know, if you kept it simple, it would get it. I mean, I found the experience getting it right probably 95% of the time. And it was that situation where I couldn't reply because I was driving, no, and wanted to be hands-free and be uh, uh, meet the legal, legal requirements, yep. absolutely. And that was kind of the first time I used it rather than just because it was a new feature or thing to explore on the phone. I still don't use it that much outside of the car, apart from kind of when I'm on my own and want to ask a question to one of the voice assistants. So I think the rise of Siri, Google Now, or Google Voice and Cortana and all that have been important, but actually I do date it back before then. It was just limited bits of functionality and quite a lot of the smartphones I had from the Nokia era had, you know, uh, voice keys on them that you press the button and it was intended either for replying to text messages or doing quick voice calls. Um, so for me, that was probably when it became mainstream and became part of an accepted thing I did. For me, I remember probably about two years ago, I had to type my credit card into an app for some reason and the little speaker was there. It was either Siri or Google, but whatever. I pressed the button and I thought, you know, what, I'll just speak it and just see it might be easier. Mm-hmm. So I did five, four, three, four, blah, 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 blah. And it just, it did it completely accurately because I did it fast. I was very, very impressed by that. And that's when I thought, oh, this, this stuff actually does work. I've come to this quite late, actually. I think Siri was the first instance and I kind of, I tried it and they had the novelty value, but actually it wasn't until the Apple Watch came along and I had Siri on my wrist all the time listening and I could say, hey Siri, you know, start a countdown or set an alarm. And the thing was, it wasn't even the most ambitious things, but they're the simple things that you needed to do loads. And I mean, cooking, for example, all the time now when I'm cooking, I'll just, you know, raise my wrist, hey Siri, you know, set the timer to 15 minutes for whatever. And it just, there's no more touching the timer with your dirty hands or whatever. And actually, I then begin to get frustrated because I tend to, if I'm cooking, I'll have the recipe in Evernote, the iPad will turn itself off or I'll want to flip up a page or whatever. And so it's as soon as you step away from the keyboard. But for me, that's been quite recent. But for a long time, I was trying to find holiday guides that I could walk around the city and have my smartphone talk to me. And actually, that probably was more useful or interesting to me than the voice input Mm. would be actually spoken words, you know, output in that regard, like almost don't look at my phone. Just walk around and it'll yes, say, yeah. hey, the thing in front of you is, you know, St. Paul's Cathedral. Mm-hmm. St. Paul's Cathedral is really old and stuff, you know. So, yeah, I, I, that's been interesting on that regard. And what's interesting about all of those, it is about the context in which you're trying to carry out the task and you want to do it because it's hands-free and there's a limitation there. What's interesting to me, there are a couple of occasions now where I start to use voice input just because it's going to be quicker and easier and kind of to your point you about the credit card but i think it comes from a couple of technological advancements one of which is the hey siri or the always on yes. um, and that's now available across all platforms it does require behavior change and i've noticed that some people use it a lot more it's typically people who are using it in the car then start it starts to bleed over into yeah. other uses but i would also say it's the ability to do natural language not to have to put a gap between each word so that it understands it just being able to talk as you would normally that and actually the bigger thing for me was the conversational interface so you could ask the first question so you might go what's the weather like in Mm. london yeah and then you ask will it rain tomorrow 
as a follow-up question and understands that because it's much you know like you'd have a conversation with a human and those two things have made particularly those kind of voice assistant queries much more valuable for me i like the voice assistants when you're not already looking at the phone exactly and that's and, and it, Such well, as? well so the example of race one of driving which right, is yes. if i've got the phone in my hand i'm showing you guys but if you're listening you can't see but if i've got the phone in both hands and I would be able to type it in. I'll probably type it in because I can type it in more quickly. But actually, when I'm driving or when I'm walking around or those sorts of things, and I actually don't really want to look at the phone for the answer either. And for me, that's why the assistance and the voice interfaces are just as interesting as the voice input, because then you can have an answer in the medium you ask the question. Yes. Yeah. And I also be a bit self-referential here, talk about podcasts, because we've so far talked about kind of interface and input with a little bit of output. But actually, apps that are audio-based, of which, you know, obviously music is a big one, but podcasts, I think, is a more obvious one to talk about, particularly with the spoken word. You know, actually, I use those in times where I can't necessarily be looking at the phone screen, maybe as I'm sort of walking in or doing a commute or and driving again is another one. Or I just don't want to be looking at the screen, you know, when I'm moving around the house because I can't have it held up in front of me where I might otherwise be using a news story. Because I think that's the thing that people often forget about audio is it's much less interruptive than something like video or trying to read text. Yeah, we'd have the Sonos going all the time. If we're at home for the day across a weekend, we'd have the Sonos going all the time. And so when I first saw Alexa and the and the, the Echo, sorry, the, the Amazon, um, come on, Rafe. The Amazon Echo. Amazon Echo product. So what's the new What's the new one? Is it the dot? You the Echo there? dot, There yes. we go, yeah. So I'd get the two confused. When it first the Echo, I thought, actually, that really makes sense to me because actually it'll be there playing music I'll want to shout at it you know what, what time what but time if it's playing happen? music can you still speak at it oh yes yeah, yeah it's, it's so intelligent it enough to be able to cancel, the... cancel out the two I mean wow. there are some pretty that funny pretty stories smart. actually of early Amazon Echoes and there was a, a story about Amazon Echo on PBS and it was speaking the commands to it and it turned all the Amazon Echo sort of in people's home would respond to the commands from the television oh, yeah, show. Actually, no, I should, should give a credit there. A listener, friend of the show, Mike Stead, actually sent me that story earlier today. Ah, okay. Uh, oh, there you go. Which was one of the reasons we, we decided to cover Very this. Very prescient. Thank and, you, Mike. Yeah, thank you, Mike. And yes, as you say, the demo on the radio started to trigger people's echoes and in turn then changed people's thermostats and other connected devices. <laughs> um, the other one that I read about was a xbox 360 advert yep. which included the trigger phrase which ever woke everybody's xboxes up which was we try that now and, and i've certainly been in meetings where someone's siri has been triggered with someone saying yeah, the appropriate yeah. word so there are problems with the voice interface although actually that same guardian article that i was reading made the point that newer versions of the iphone include voice fingerprinting so they do at least go some way to try and make sure that it's only your voice so adverts and things like that wouldn't wouldn't and trigger it's interesting them. that that same fingerprinting is actually being used on IVR lines now to kind of say as an added layer of identification for who you are. Indeed, it comes from indeed. your number. Uh, HSBC Bank have rolled voice fingerprinting out as a way of biometrically authenticating If you're people. an Amazon Echo user in the States, Bank of America will let you query your balance now. Now, come on, you and you want to do some demos. Oh, I yes. want to do some demos. Right, right, okay. so, um, this is very exciting. I, it's demo I, week. I want to go, I want to go first. Oh, yeah, you go first. Because actually I want to us both to do the same demo in a second. Okay. So right. first of all, one that I really love, it's called Talking Statues around London. And you walk walk around London and you find a statue and being a Rafe Blanford type person, you think, I wonder who that is. I wish I could hear some history. Mm. And on the Lord Blanford, he's in the uh, Trafalgar Square. Exactly. You mean you don't know who they are when you go and look at them? Well, no, I have to read the little plaques. But there's an NFC thingy, whatever one of them is, an NFC gizmo widget. Mm. Sticker. A URL and a QR code, which you can scan. And so this is almost my dream of 
like sort of mm. yes, driven by sat nav or something like that. But this, I suppose, at least you, they know that you're standing in front of the right statue. And um, I love this. I'm going to give this a bit of a demo. Now, this one is just one I, I spotted the other day. And uh, so I've, I've typed in the link. So the whole thing here is that they pretend the statue is telephoning you. Okay. Hello. Uh, Roland Hill here. Good of you to make time for an old statue whom you hardly know. Oh, can you Can you hear me? Oh, forgive me. These telephonic devices are new for me. Of course, you are quite used to them. Okay, well, I, I, I'll oh, there we uh, go. that now. Just for the, Roland Hill. For Roland Hill is actually the man who invented the stamp. So he's quite a notable chap, and he's on King Edward Street, if you're interested, in London. But, the, but they're, they're all over. And I was just thinking, actually, that that's perfect, because I walk around London, I've got my headset on, and... If I was a tourist, I could just, you know, swipe my phone, keep it in my hand. I wouldn't be, I'd be looking around and enjoying the scenery, the things I'm supposed to be looking at, whilst getting that narration. And, and that actually, that story goes on for about five or six minutes, tells you all his history. And then it says, walk down the road, go to the next one, and the, the next statue is down the way. So go on. What about your demo then? Right. This one was, uh, I actually did this this morning in, in the car. I had uh, my, my S7 on, and I, I just thought, how good is the, how big is the battery? Right, because the, the Huawei Mate that I've been using, 4,000 milliamp battery. Right? So you've got a new Galaxy S7. I've got the Galaxy S7 Edge, and uh, the battery I thought was, I knew it was lower, but I just didn't know what it was. So I thought, well, I'll try OK Google and just to straight. So this is what I did. I said, uh, let's see if it works. OK Google, what is the battery size of the Samsung Galaxy S7? According to Pocket Lint, the Samsung Galaxy S7 has a 3000 mAh battery, while the Galaxy S7 Edge has a 3600 mAh battery. No, I've sat this morning in the car going, wow, that, that, is, that is really cool. I really don't, it's a Samsung device, so I really don't want to be impressed. But well, that, that's, that's the Google that services, Google. right? Really, yeah. really cool. I think, right. think what's important to realise there is the voice services are only as good as the database or the service that underlies that's right. it. That's right. And what Google's done there is use the uh, knowledge graph technology that they have to be able to consume information directly off web pages. And what's impressive there is the SM was only announced a few weeks ago as we were recording this. And so it's very up-to-date information. And it's the thing is it didn't pick that information up out of a Google database. It's gone and so it says according to Pocket Lint, which obviously is a yeah. popular blog. Uh, yeah, so on, it, on the web page it presented it. It showed it showed the quote. Okay. Well. Now right, I fear the iPhone is going to come off worse, but I'm going to do the same search. What is the battery size of the Samsung Galaxy S7? Looking. Okay, I found this on the web for what is the battery size of the Samsung Galaxy S7 feet. Okay, that is a less good answer. So what it's presenting me with is a search. And to be fair, the first item in the list is Samsung Galaxy S7 release date, price and specs. And I can see in the preview text that it does say the battery size is... So series, that was demonstrably poor quality audio feedback. It is, and I think that's actually almost by accident really makes a good point which is the experience you got is exactly what it should be which is ask a question by audio get the answer by audio for yep. me siri at the moment is a bit too limited because you Not ask quite a question there, and, and if, if you can see here you know what is the battery size of the samsung galaxy s7 it's recognized the samsung brand it's that's right yes absolutely yeah. recognized the question so there's no input problem but it's gone back it's presented me with a page of text and that means I've got to switch modes. I've did got it to know to that what is, is you searching? Well, it's hard to know. I mean, if you'd it, said, we are searching. Well, I, I probably could have said battery size. But do, do you know, let me stop you there, Ben, because I think what we really want to know is, how does Microsoft do this? 
All right. Oh, right. Let's okay. give it a Cortana demo. I, I he was waiting I, this. He's waiting I, 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 I had, phone. I'd forgotten that Ralph Bafford even had a smartphone capable of this. <laughs> what is the battery size of the Samsung Galaxy S7? And it's done exactly what it did for Ben. It's given me, in the first result, the uh, battery capacity, the S7. So it's interesting. That's, a, as you say, a good demonstration of the Right, now go both of you. Both of says, you. Are you trying to book a film at Eric Lakeside? <laughs> Can you both now go on to Google, right, the Google browser on Safari. So go on to Safari, yeah. on to Google, and then do the same search, right? In so text. just go on to Google. No, just go to google.co.uk, right? And now have you got, where's your, um, can you not do an audio query? Not in, not in uh, Safari. Not do you in Safari. the Google app? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so if you try that and see what that experience is like, because I, I think it'll be interesting. I, I would imagine that the Google app experience will be good enough. Okay, right. Let's give this a try then. What is the battery size of the Galaxy S7? According to Pocket Lint, the Samsung Galaxy S7 has a 3,000 milliamp hours battery, while the Galaxy S7 Edge has a 3,600 milliamp hours battery. What happened there? I fluffed the read yeah. in, in terms of the question, but actually it did. Didn't what, you say S7? Mm, yeah, but it says it spotted it as S7. So wow. the, wow. the text at the top of the search says, what is the battery size of the Galaxy S7? I didn't say Samsung or anything like that. But yeah, so it's really... So there you go. You've had exactly the same experience that I have through Google, through your iPhone. What were yeah. you buying for now? What is the battery size of the Samsung Galaxy S7? What is the battery size of the Samsung Galaxy S7? Are you trying to book a cinema or a Thurrock Lakeside? And it's just come back with a search result as it did. So that, that one's not there. enabled. That so browser's not enabled with the Google. I'm using the Google app, so I yeah. suspect they haven't done the development on okay. Windows Phone. I mean, it's interesting. I've actually done a kind of a comparison for an article looking between Siri, Cortana and Google. And it is noticeable that both Cortana and Google are ahead of Siri. But Google definitely, I think, has an advantage of the underlying database. Where Cortana tends to come into its own is when you ask it more complex queries or conversational follow-ups. So when you ask about the weather and then ask for it in another city. And obviously, these goalposts are moving all the time. Because the really interesting about this is not really what's on the phone. All the intelligence is sitting in the cloud, whereas people see it happening on the phone. So they kind of assume it's in the Apple built into the platform. Have you got another demo, Ben? Google, tell me something interesting about Rafe Blanford. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, no. No. It, <laughs> it, it, it narrows out. It, it's, it's come up with lots of Blanford things, oh, okay, but not right. Rafe Blanford, I'm afraid. Okay, Google, tell me something interesting about Ben Smith. Let's take me to Ben Smith Rugby Union. There we go. Okay, so we should move on. Um, the future. So we're reasonably positive about these audio interfaces, but just by demonstration, I mean, Google Google gave us a really good result, but Siri and Cortana didn't there. But what do we foresee as the system of perhaps interfaces that are just audio, like not smartphones? Well, I, I think it's the uh, Amazon. I think Amazon's done a great job there and kudos to them because th this is the same company that brought out the Fire Phone, right? It is hard to believe that the same company could make that thing. But wasn't, it? didn't they bring the Fire Phone out and then very quickly after that they brought out the Alexa? It's uh, almost, like saying, almost like they're saying sorry. Yes, yeah, no, <laughs> but I think that is, I can see that being a very near real future. I would definitely have one and I can imagine, yeah, it's hey, what's the balance? On the bank. Yeah, transfer £50 to Blanford again for his massage. Alexa has account details, doesn't it? So it can hook up with your smart devices. But I can imagine those integrations getting even richer so that it, it can control every app that you might have. So it can get into your bank account. It can do your smart home. It doesn't already have the keys to your Uber account. I mean, a lot of people have already connected it to if this, then that, and use that to control the light bulbs in their home. Mm. Now, there is a bit of lag time involved in something like that. It can take sort of 30 seconds. And obviously, there's a limitation with... How 
how far as you can speak and the actually the recognition actually the problem for that kind of control is Alexa has a relatively limited vocabulary in, in terms of control words so it's still early for that but I think the point here is that traditionally we've talked about everything being compressed into the smartphone it's called the idea of convergence and actually what we're seeing now is some of the functionality come out into standalone devices and so you've got smart speakers you've got stuff in the smart home and it's sort of this whole collection or ecosystem of devices and there was actually something that was kind of present at MWC you saw kind of the accessories actually get as much emphasis as the main flagship devices and I think you know the Echo is an example of this of the connected home smart homes all of this stuff sitting in there and you have to think about the interfaces and indeed designing for it in a different way and at the moment most of it is I would say relatively dumb command line stuff but it's interesting to wonder you know if you go further down this road how would you design an optimum experience for audio that was perhaps you know more than command line because I think all the enabling technologies in terms of that voice recognition in terms of natural language queries in terms of conversational UI is there and you know there's a reason that Star Trek and the kind of the AI stuff get demoed using voice because it's a very natural way for people to interact with each other and the problem with the amazon product is that it's a speaker and as soon as you walk away from it you leave it behind the problem with your smartphone is that you have to either have it listening all the time and you trigger it you know if it's in your pocket you'd have to trigger it that way and you you, you know you'd have to have some headphones on or something so actually just as you were speaking rafe it reminded me of something that was i think announced that the mwc was the sony xperia ear Yes, that's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of from the Her film. I mean, for me, this is what Google Glass should have been because it's a kind of an augmented reality that is not intrusive, is beneficial. You know, it sort of allows you to ask questions and interact with this service. But over time, you can well imagine that actually it will give you information about the context that you're in. No, just to be clear, that's fine. No. Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry, I was just speaking to my own little... Yeah. But you don't have to... But you wouldn't necessarily have to even talk to it, would you? It would just be a, a pa- well, passive how do you application. That's it, what it, I was trying, it, I was trying it, to It, it would just give you nudges or, or prompts. Just to be clear here, the Xperia ear is a little headset that's just a little widget it's that like sits in your ear. It's like a Bluetooth dongle, isn't it? Yeah, that's it, right. It looks like a sort of slightly oversized hearing aid, doesn't it? It, it does. And the Her film that I'm referring to, those who haven't watched, is kind of like someone being devoted to their personal assistant or Siri in their ear, which was kind of referred to. Well, they sort of fall in love with this. sounded a little bit more devoted to when I watched it. Uh, Okay. She was pretty into it. (laughs) Charlotte Johansson. But it it is worth saying that even the Amazon Echo actually has technology with the microphones able to listen from the other side of the room, the kind of array microphones. And so... Are you getting one um, when they, if it, they're available? If a UK one became available, I would buy it immediately. I hesitate wow, because immediately. the services are kind of set up for the US and so things like weather forecasts and other kind well, of location-based well, no, services... If they launch it here, it'll be British. But do you not think, though, that an audio assistant, somebody who plays a, a sound or speaks into your ear, would be a much better sort of transitional step for most consumers so, over yeah, putting a, a set of glasses on and pro- having it, A, on your face all the time, but also projecting images because actually the business of projecting graphics over the top of the real world you know, is, is, is yeah, really and, difficult. And the, the thing is, the best tech is invisible most of the time. And I, So the thing that I love most about my Apple Watch the haptic feedback and the best way to explain to people how that's useful is using apple maps i walk 
all around London without ever taking my phone out of my pocket because it fast taps to turn one direction and slow taps to turn another direction. And, you know, you can just trudge along the road and it taps you on the wrist and you can turn left and you walk along a that bit. That is pretty cool. And, you know, the, the, and How do you enable that? You just use... It, it would just, yeah. just set a route in Apple Maps and so long as you have it linked to your watch, it will do that by oh, default. So that's very um, good. And for me, that's fantastic. It makes you look less like a tourist. Well, it makes you look less, less like a tourist. You won't get your phone robbed. And you can enjoy it because, you know, we happen to live in a city that's fantastic things to look at beautiful scenery you know it's a really interesting place to walk around but if you've got your head stuffed in google maps you don't see it yeah, and so much of it is head down so this is sort of heads up and that's you know it's not just invisible it actually it takes your eyes away in one sense a lot of this tech i mean to be fair i think it's worth saying that some of the technology we've seen hasn't been great smart tvs that we're always on listening have caused a lot of uh, headlines recently with samsung saying you're just going to have to switch off that functionality or not talk about private things in front of your tv and to be fair all of these always on listening products i think do make people nervous yeah. uh, but that's really just a function of you know behavior and people not being used to and poor implementation to and, be fair. and in that case actually it was the implementation that caused concern because i don't mind always on microphones if they're doing the speech analysis locally and then triggering a query or something from what i've said but if my voice is being beamed up to the internet yeah. to be recognised in the cloud, then I get a little bit meh. Yeah, so I mean, just thinking about this, I think audio can go further than this. I mean, Ben, you were talking about smart hearing aids before we recorded this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it really is the idea that actually a hearing aid is, is not like a set of headphones as, you know, so when I did that statue demonstration, I'd normally be walking around with those headphones in, they block out all the other noise. And that's just me very focused on that audio interface. The point about the hearing aid actually is, is augmenting the situation. And you could have a smart hearing aid that gives the user status updates, information, but also changes the way it behaves based on the context. So it knows if you're inside, if you're outside, if you're engaged in a conversation, if you're in a noisy environment. And so actually, it's not just for entertainment and functional uses, it, for, for everyday sort of functions. So it, it actually could be for people with some sort of impairment. And yeah. then actually, you think, well, quite a lot of us wear noise cancelling headphones to walk around just because it's more comfortable so there really is you know a case that some of this assistive technology could just be about comfort as well yeah and i think that augmentation particularly around uh, ambient sound environments is an unexplored possibility not just for as you say for hearing aids but sort of for the mainstream as well and i think this is kind of the point that we're arriving at that the technology is there and we're starting to understand what it might enable and there are plenty of other examples where audio becomes interesting uh, actually a recent one is uh, vr for example where the control mechanisms are uh, a bit annoying at the moment if anyone's worn a samsung gear vr headset they'll know that they have to kind of tap the side of the headset in order to do the controls it makes kind of more sense maybe to have some audio controls in there and i think the one barrier to this still at the moment is kind of societal acceptance because people feel very self-conscious talking to a gadget or their phone in public. And I myself am aware of this. I only ever use Siri or Cortana when I'm kind of alone in the house, you know, in the morning. I whisper into the phone. Except, though, people are very comfortable to walk down the road on a hands-free headset. And I was going to say, you know, I think that is something that will change up to this point, the kind of the, if you like, the uh, ease of use and the quality of the response and audio hasn't made it worthwhile. But Mm. as soon as it gets to the point where it's better... 
people won't mind that kind of behavior you know it would have been considered very rude like you say to use a phone in public or to use a bluetooth headset and so i think that's a matter of time it will probably be the younger audience that adopts that kind of thing first it's that's what typically happens with change but it does to me still feel like that's the one big barrier left for most of this is not actually enabling technology it's pretty much there i'm sure we're going to see smart speakers become really popular in the home and that will then cause that to become kind of a wider phenomenon right then before we wrap up i should just say thank you to tenji for sponsoring this episode and remind you that if you haven't already get signed up for tenji t-e-n-g-i on the google play store and the ios app store download the messaging app create an account use the voucher code 361 and you'll be entered into the usual competitions for anyone who's using their app who can win fantastic cash prizes. But there is additionally a special dedicated prize of £1,000 just for a 361 listener who signed up using that code. So go to 361podcast.com. Yeah, go to 361podcast.com. There's all the instructions you need there and information about it just for people in the UK at the moment, I'm afraid. But if you're in the UK, you're listening to this podcast and you want a really good chance of winning £1,000, two minutes effort and the 10g app's actually really good as well so give it a try there's actually a massive incentive to do that now and i think we should just finish with testing out siri and let's have it tell me a joke hey siri tell me a joke ewan get serious ha ha mm-hmm. there you go okay let's Thank move you. on need to work on its sense of humor <laughs> big thanks this week to mark from audiowrangler.co.uk who's edited this shambles together thank Thanks you to our more. friends from Digitas LBI who provide us with a recording studio and access to Rafe Bamford you can find us at 361podcast.com we're on Twitter at 361podcast if you'd like to tweet us individually with comments or questions all of our Twitter handles are in the posts with these podcasts we're also on Facebook where you can go there and ignore us like everyone else does but don't, don't <laughs> encourage Facebook they've got enough of our money we will be back next week get signed up for 10G there's not long left we will be doing the draw and the prize award announced in episode five so really really soon okay we'll be back next week bye-bye special thanks to everyone who pledged money to crowdfund the show this week including david walker tim edwards illico ella and andy hagan there's a full list of our supporters on 361podcast.com along with information on how to help us from as little as one dollar per episode via patreon